Welcome to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up. Learn how to increase traffic and conversions from your website. Each episode, Dan interviews a digital marketing leader or practitioner, asking them all the same question. How do you get more leads and sales from a website? Visit PeriscopeUp.com for a free Google Analytics course, Dan's ebook on great website content, or to sign up for our email newsletter filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the How to Get More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast. And today, I'm really excited to have Andrew Rose of Zest Social Media Solutions. Andrew is an industry expert. He's been in uh, the business for about 11 and a half years as the marketing director for a large CPA firm. And during that time, he really learned the algorithms and the ins and outs of search marketing and how these platforms work together. And today's president of a social media firm that provides the full range of social media marketing. Today, we're gonna to be talking about both paid and earned social media marketing. We've got a great case study of uh, Facebook ads that have worked really well, as well as a, a quick talk about the importance of Google Plus and how to really use it to your advantage in getting rankings up in, in Google. Andrew, why don't you say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you know, how did you get to where you're at today? Uh, hi, Dan. Hi, audience. Uh, interesting story. Um, my background is not in marketing whatsoever. My background is in corporate America, human resources, uh, operations, loss prevention, a lot of fun stuff like that. And when I got here to Baltimore, I came down and transferred in, was planning on transferring out, but I just fell in love with the city. And for those of you who are listening to this or not in Baltimore, I encourage you to come here and take a look at the Inner Harbor, walk around, go to Hamden, um, check out Fort McHenry, beautiful towns that steal your heart. That's what it did to me. And so I decided to leave corporate America at that point, my career, and I went into sales. And not knowing anything about sales, my first job was in a boiler room. So I was smiling and dialing for oh, eight, 10 hours a day, 100 dials a day. Um, it was a pretty hellacious uh, introduction to sales, but it was a good boot camp for me. I learned how to sell on the phone. And I took that knowledge and went to a small payroll company and uh, did very well there. And the issue I ran into was a lot of the clients I was bringing on board had outgrown their accounting relationship. And I began a, a vetting process of accounting firms in the area that I really liked and trusted. And the two firms, Nate and Lee and Kat Davosh, were at the top of my list. And I began negotiating reciprocal agreements with both of them. And at the end of a couple of those, uh, the firm Nate and Lee offered me a position. And I turned it down initially because I had no clue what marketing meant. I'd never had a class in marketing or a job that required me to have any kind of marketing function. But the, the godfather offer came and I had to take it and kiss the ring and move on board. And what happened was, now I've got this big office and a budget and uh, advertising agency and retainer, and I had no clue what to do. And people were asking me for direction. So I went to a few people that I knew in the, um, the service industry, insurance company, uh, commercial real estate, law firm, bank. We formed a small study club, a peer support group. And over the years, that group has gone from um, just a small handful of people to over 40,000 people on our LinkedIn page. And because of that, I've gotten my 10,000 hours in, 10,000 hours plus in, in marketing. And I was very fortunate to really have a deep dive focus on search engine optimization early in the day. So back before Google became the giant it is now, but understanding how their algorithms work and what made a trusted site. 
um, understanding who did they purchase and why did they purchase that company? How is it going to fit into the future? And by understanding all those mechanisms, I was able to position our assets in such a way that they would be found not only today, but also in the future. And, and Dan, I guess you may have covered this in some of your prior uh, podcasts. There's two, two um, ways of thinking about search engine optimization. One is what's called black hat, which is um, doing a lot of things to trick the Google algorithm so you, your site springs to the top of the, um, the search engines or white hat, which I adhere to, and that's doing things the right way. And it might take a little longer to get the results you want, but it's really difficult to shake yourself loose. Does that answer the question, you think? Yeah, no, that's great, that's great. Um, so, but, but these days you're focusing on social media, right? How'd you make that leap to, uh, to the social platform? And, and I guess another question I'd ask is, how important is understanding Google when you're implementing social campaigns? That, that, those are two very good questions, and I, and I laugh because I'm often asked to speak about social media. People say, oh, tell us what Facebook, and in fact, I'm speaking next week to a large firm about this, and, and I always come out with a contrarian uh, point of view. I did not get into social media for likes, followers, fans, and things like that. I got into social media because I understood that the search engine robots were crawling social media looking for content, and so when I get in, get into, so got into social media and get into social media for different clients, we make sure that we have the right keyword density, the messaging is out there, and we don't, engagement is important, yes, but it's not the, the end game for me. The end game for me is being found and using these different platforms as an integrated way for people to find your service, your products on the internet. So just think of it as being on a pier and having more than one fishing line in the water. That's all these different platforms are. Great. You know, people say, well, tell me about Facebook. I'm like, well, I'll tell you about your phone. That's all it is. It's a way to get a message out there. It's who are you talking to? Who's listening? Who, who's in NSA is sort of like Google? Who's eavesdropping in there to pull that data out and make it apparent then for people that are searching? And, and Dan, I, you mentioned to me before that I need to be careful taking a drink of water that amplifies my mouth and magnifies a little bit. <laughs> Um, while you're doing that, I'll say this is why I'm excited to have you on this podcast because uh, we view... Well, first of all, the podcast is all about getting leads and sales from your website, right? So we don't view social media as a way to, you know, build a brand or to get a lot of likes. You know, that's sort of the side benefit of the way that we approach social media, which is really as a channel to get visitors to your website that will eventually be converting. Um, and that's how we judge our success is by the number of conversions. So with that, I'd love to turn into this, uh, um, dive into this case study example that you have of some Facebook ads. This is, as I said before, we were going to be talking today a little bit about paid media and earned media. So this is the paid media part. So you, you have a case study of, um, of um, running some Facebook ads that had a really high response rate. would love if you could dive into that example for our viewers and listeners, explain to them exactly what you did step by step to set up this highly successful Facebook advertising campaign. The accounting firm I left uh, specialized in dental accounting, and that was a niche I created several years ago, and it's been highly profitable for us. Basically, we took a, a local practice group and uh, branded them nationally, and in turn became one of the top accounting firms in the country for dental accounting, and it's just a burgeoning field for us. Um, as a subset of the dental accounting uh, division, we have a dental practice sales brokerage arm, which buys and sells dental practices. The case study that I have up here on the screen is um, the, 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 the division came to me and said, hey, we've got this listing 
Um, we needed to go live and, and get out there as quickly as possible. And this was on a Friday, I believe. A listing. So uh, a listing. I'm sorry. A listing of a uh, a dentist who wanted to sell her practice. Is that that's right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so I went and posted this, and um, over the weekend, and as you can see from the screenshot here, I didn't spend a whole lot of money. That's basically what you spend on a classified ad in a newspaper, maybe even less than that. But because Facebook allows you to get really granular in the promoted post in terms of who the audience is, um, you're able to delineate um, the age of the person that's viewing this ad. So I wanted people who were dentists who were between 27 and 45 to view this ad because that's the point in their career when they're starting to think, maybe I don't need to be an associate anymore. Maybe I have a successful practice and I want to add another location to my practice. Um, and also, what are the specialties these dentists have? So in terms of the interest, I can really drill down um, so this was peridotia and, and a few other things that I had in there. Um, and also, I don't want dentists across the world to see this. I only want dentists in the, in the immediate region to find this ad. So for spending $110, I had, um, it looks like it reached almost 13,500 dentists or, or people that describe themselves as dentists. And the person that ran the brokerage division came in on Monday and her voicemail box was full, her inbox was full of people inquiring about how do we purchase this practice. She was stunned and amazed because this is prior to us even listing it with the State Dental Association, with the colleges, and all the other things. Mm -hmm. Now, we certainly have since then tweeted about this, posted on LinkedIn, um, Google Plus, and a few other places to get that cross-promotion list. But this was simply just putting it out there on Facebook as a promoted post had this much activity. Um, and I don't have a screenshot of this, but we had a prior campaign that we ran in February, and it was again targeting dentists, and it was a free second opinion of their prior year tax returns. And on that ad, I spent almost $300, but it resulted in over $24,000 of business for our firm just based on that one ad alone. So the Facebook promoted posts are very, very powerful, and Dan, I'm sure you counsel your clients on this, but a campaign works as it's supposed to work, you can get crushed with incoming business. So don't think that you're throwing your money away. In turn, think, do I have the capacity to handle the amount of business that could be coming in from what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And make sure you calibrate your actions accordingly. Otherwise, you can really just overwhelm the machine. Interesting. Fascinating. So I think one thing I just want to dive into, because I think it really is inf very important and it bears repeating, is that with this, you did not take the spray, you know, Satan spray its method, right, where you just plastered as many ads out there as you could. I mean, not to me, what's, what's really fascinating is that you did your research and you understood uh, where generally dentists were in their life cycle of their businesses. So you knew which the age uh, of people and the incomes of people to target so that you would be hitting the right market. Um, it seems to me, if I have any takeaway from here, it's, it's, it's to do your homework um, it's so that you really, truly understand the demographics of the person you're trying to reach and then hone the ad in super specifically on that, on that group. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, you really hit it there. Um, kind of as a backstory, I was able to purchase lists of dentists in all the states that surround here. Um, in Maryland, for example, is about 4,600 licensed dentists. I, for a summer, paid an intern to go through and Google every single dentist on that list. I wanted to find out um, when they graduated from school, um, what their specialties were. Because some dentists are generalists, some are specialists, some are both. How big their offices were. Because I had this great big 
database now, I can send out precise messaging, not only promote a post, but direct mail campaigns, postcard campaigns, e-newsletters that has a specific message that dentists should be hearing at that point in their tenure. And that can be done with any type of uh, prospect database out there. The, the more granular you can get in your messaging, the less you're going to spend because you're not sending out messages, the same message to everybody hoping that the right people see it. Um, but you're also having a, a higher response rate because they're getting the message they need to hear or see at that point in time. That's great. Yeah, we're seeing, you know, this is a trend I think in our industry. We're seeing the same thing on the, on the HubSpot's implementations we're doing and, and Pardot where for us it's no longer about getting a huge volume of leads. It's really about getting that good quality of lead because you're not going to then over, overwhelm your sales team and you're giving them leads that they can close more easily and it's more efficient for the organization as a whole. Um, so before we leave this, I'd love for you to just walk us through the nuts and bolts of the ad itself. This is a sponsored post. It's not a, you know, well, one of those ads. Obviously it's not one of the ads that appear in the uh, sidebar, right? I just, I'd love to hear your perspective on what went into the call to action and the text itself. You're right, you're right. And, and you know, you, you hit another one of those funny notes with me because when Facebook ads first came out, I did invest in the sidebar ads and you didn't have quite the control over who viewed that ad and they were expensive because that was when Facebook stock first launched and it tanked hard. They figured how we're going to crank up our revenues. Well, we're going to charge more for our ad space because we don't really have any other plans. Um, and it was it was kind of an abysmal failure in my point of view. And even to this day, I get some pretty bizarre ads served up to me on that sidebar. And I'm wondering if you've got this rich demographic database of me, things I like, show me bass fishing. I don't need to see motorcycles and tattoos. I don't. Maybe there's something in my persona that describes me as a person that might be willing to look at that stuff, but I really don't want to see that. I promote a post, on the other hand, when I promote a post, I know that if someone's done this in a savvy sense, nuts and bolts, you need to have a credit card on file with Facebook that this is being charged to. Um, you can set your budget and your spends exactly, what, it's sort of like one of those sliding bars. So the more money you spend, this is you reach 5,000 people or 15 or 50,000. And then you can start really diving deeply into that very narrow niche of who these people are, age, um, vocation, male, female, location. Um, you can do a lot of different things. This ad is not pretty. I mean, this is just, this is what this is. <laughs> you can have a lot of fun, though, with a, a or I should say this promoted post is pretty. You can have a lot of fun with how the, the, the call to action is worded. Um, you can do a lot of neat things with that um, ad, more so than I did here. So view this as sort of a baseline vanilla ad. Imagine what you could do with your business if you take a little bit of time and set something like this up and test it. I mean, your spend could be $10 and see what happens. You're not going to be on the hook for a lot of money. $110 is a lot of money for me usually to spend on promoted posts. Usually I spend less than $20 on one of these, and I usually reach four or 5,000 people. Hmm. That's great. Fantastic. All right. When you uh, turn off your screen sharing, let's go back to uh, the picture-in-picture -picture split screen here, and uh, let's shift the conversation to um, what you think. Let me ask you, what is the most important platform, social media platform out there today? Well, that'd be Snapchat, of course. Um, <laughs> no. I'm sorry, a little, little bit of uh, geeky humor there. Um, no, the, the most important one, if you want to be found, is Google+. And a lot of people poo-poo Google+. Google+, was a reaction to Facebook getting space in the social area and Google feeling like it was left behind. So they kind of forced you to use this product as, from a social standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. And I, I kind of get that cover your butt 
type of mentality that they, they needed to have that. And so probably about a year ago, they made an announcement that if you're a business and you have not verified your Google Plus listing, you will be penalized in search results. And mm -hmm. prior to our conversation, I was trying to pull some screenshots and stuff like that. I don't have anything at the tip of my fingers, but, but there's many, many precedents out there of companies um, that are doing a great job that might have a thousand positive reviews on Yelp, yet their competitors are ranking on Google searches because they didn't take the time to claim their page. Um, this serves a couple different purposes. If you've got a business that's been at more than one location, I can almost guarantee you that Google has your, your old information in there as well as your new information. And if you've not verified your page, there's a good likelihood that old information will appear above a Google search for you um, and your business. And they're going to pull information from Dun & Bradstreet and for USA. And it's very difficult to to clean up that back-end database they're using. So step one is go to, um, I'm not going to share my screen quite if I want to bring that up here. If you go and Google the term Google Business Local and click on the ad that comes up there for Google, then it's going to bring you to, um, and I don't know how I can share this here, it'll bring you to a page that looks a lot like this. You know, what does this mean? Are you a storefront? Do people come and visit you? Are you a service? Do you go visit people? Or are you a rock star and you want to create a, a brand for yourself? Um, if I was presented with these three choices, I would choose storefront. Because even though not a lot of people come into our office, we certainly don't spend our time on the road like a pizza delivery guy or, mm -hmm. or a taxi service that they have listed here. Facebook did a good job back in the day when they had multiple different labels that you could put on your business of allowing you to merge them together. Google has not done that yet, but I suspect in the near future they're going to realize it's a, a major flaw that they've got and they're going to start merging these together. So when you come to this page, I would, unless you've got some compelling reason to be anything other than a storefront, I would choose storefront and then let Google fix everything on the back end when that comes around. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that's going to help you most likely get the pin map results? Yeah, I think what more, more importantly is that you've got your correct address listed. So if you go to Google Maps, look for your business, mm -hmm. see what comes up there. That's going to be, right. even though people go to Google Maps to search, Google pulls a lot of their data, location-based data from Google Maps to serve up local search results for whatever term it is that prospect is looking for. Mm -hmm. Good, okay. So you talked about cleaning up a listing. Um, I know that's a headache. I have, you know, we're in the middle of moving our offices and it's been a nightmare, and we deal with Google all the time. It's been a nightmare to sort of get our uh, our new information correct. Um, any advice for cleaning up listings and just getting to the top of the pin map listings? Well, you know, before you start the process, make sure you find your happy place because you have to go there often during this process to decompress. <laughs> um, Google does not make. Um, help readily available. What they provide are help forums where people like me and you will go and post answers to other users that are having questions. Rarely does a moderator jump in there to respond to you. Even when I was working with a CPA firm spending up to $9,000 a month on Google AdWords, I still didn't have someone to call readily there to fix these things. Here at Zest, we get a sort of special hotline number, so we actually have representatives that will answer questions for us on behalf of our clients. That helps a little bit. For someone like you, first of all, find out where the bad information is, and oftentimes you can track down what was the source of that information. Dun & Bradstreet is notorious for having outdated information on there, 
and then they'll say, okay, we'll give us a fee and we'll fix your information, which is kind of like holding bad information hostage. Um, Yellow Page is notorious for bad information out there. All these sources, you need to go back to the source where the, where the dirty water is and clean that up. And then when Google does their refresh and pull on that data, it won't be there. Mm -hmm. um, no guarantee. It was the same system, verify yeah. it, and, and hope that over time the bad listings will fall away. Come back, and keep checking it. Keep looking yeah, at if, it. If you got employees or friends or family, have them flag that's a bad listing and write the correct information. If you do that enough times, eventually Google's going to learn that, okay, mm -hmm. maybe they really aren't here. Maybe they haven't been here for 30 years. Like They were listing, uh, we, our office was in Hunt Valley. They had a 301 phone number for them. I mean, you talk about legacy bad information. That's indicative mm -hmm. of how long that information lives for. Right. I call them the zombies. You know, you kill them and they rise back up from the dead again. Right. All right. Well. This is great, really helpful, Andrew. Appreciate the advice on paid and earned social media, what's working for you. Um, so maybe you could, uh, before we talk a little bit about yourself and your services, maybe you could leave us like with the one thing. If there's one thing I can start doing right now with my with my social media, what, what, what advice would that be? Um, the, the, the number one thing that you need to do, regardless if you plan on using any platform, whether you plan on being Vine or Snapchat or Tumblr or uh, Twitter, claim your domains. I mean, view this like the internet when it was brand new. Mm. If you don't claim your domain, someone else most likely will, and then what are you going to do? Are you going to take them to court? Are you going to pay the, the hostage fee to get that domain back? Mm -hmm. Even if it's now being dark forever and being have completely static pages, at least get your, your domains out there so That's you don't right. have to. Off that so by domains you mean twitter.com slash zest googleplus.com yeah. slash periscope up all exactly. right good good advice because then you own it and you can control it that's that's great yeah and, and if you've got a nefarious vent you can always claim your competitors too if they have it. yeah i'll add one to that because i see a lot being an agency like a lot of companies will come to us and they'll say well i had somebody else set it for up for me now i don't have access to it anymore um, and I'm in a fight with them and I can't get them to give it to me. Well, the only way, there's another reason to, to claim that stuff yourself or if you're having an agency do it to ensure that they use your login and your password and set it up on your behalf so that you own it, not somebody else. <coughs> Yellow book. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, Andrew, good stuff. Thank you. Um, why don't you leave us with uh, a little bit more about Zest, services you offer, how can we learn more? Sure. Um, we make your phone ring. Um, we do everything from website development to social media campaigns, uh, strategic and tactical. We've often described as the marketing director's tool belt. So whether it's graphic design, programming, uh, newsletters, content development, research, that, that's, that's right in the core of our wheelhouse. And you can find more information about us by going to ZestSMS.com. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm fairly visible there. And I'd love to talk to you. Great. All right. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks, everybody out there for listening. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up, trusted provider of digital marketing services. Periscope Up offers digital marketing services to increase website and campaign performance, including website optimization, pay-per-click and banner advertising, content marketing, HubSpot and marketing automation, and of course, Google Analytics. Visit PeriscopeUp.com for a free Google Analytics course, Dan's ebook on great website content, 
or to sign up for our email newsletter filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website.